The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Previously on the Pure Hoops podcast. If someone's going to beat the Warriors this year, it's going to be in the second round. If you don't get them in the second round, they're not going to lose in the conference finals because they're too close to knowing what they can, what they can accomplish to get to the finals. The second round is the only place I see someone beating them. If they get to the conference finals, their antennas are up. Once they get to the finals, I think they win it. But if you're going to beat them this year, you, you, you better get them in the second round. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. BJ Armstrong, my friend, you must have that crystal ball going because the Houston Rockets right now look like the team to beat in basketball. Eric Newman, BJ Armstrong, the Pure Hoops podcast. And uh, BJ, before we get into the unfortunate circumstances surrounding DeMarcus Cousins, uh, these Rockets are uh, really taking it to the Jazz right now. The Rockets have been have been amazing. We know they can score. And you have to deal with this. Every team that's going to face James Harden is what are you going to give up? He's seen every defensive scheme you can possibly throw at him. He's playing amazing basketball. But you know what? It's going to be a different story, I feel, back there in Utah. And they're going back with a, a must-game three. So, um, But give the Rockets credit. They look great at home. Um, but it's not time now to, 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 to relax or rest. They have to come out and play and win at least one game there up there in uh, Utah if possible. For sure. And we'll dive back into that series uh, a little later on in the show. Obviously, it looks like right now Houston uh, and Golden State could very well be matching up for a uh, an epic seven-gamer uh, in the second round. Uh, starting with the Warriors, you know, n- no need for them to panic here, obviously, at 1-1. And before we get into the specifics of the series, seeing DeMarcus go down, uh, obviously really hard to watch for, for obvious reasons. The road he's traveled to come back. And, and be an effective piece to that already devastating lineup. Uh, what was your reaction when you first saw him hit the floor on Monday night at Oracle? Well, you never like to see a player get injured. And I was just afraid when I first saw the play because no one's around him. And you see so many players, it seems like today, where they're getting injured and it's a non-contact injury. And I... You know, for better or for worse, I, I was, I, 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 you know, he just fell. And uh, you didn't know what happened. And, um, but you know what he did? He, he tore his quad. And uh, I'm just relieved there was nothing more severe than that. I, I feel awful for him that he has to miss. It looks like the rest of the playoffs. And I just feel bad for him because he's had a long road. But you know what? You just got to, you know, once you fall down, you got to pick yourself back up, literally and keep it moving, and uh, now the Warriors have some a, a, a different challenge uh, without him, and uh, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. 
Yeah, I mean, he will be back. He's gotten the toughest rehab out of the way, which is the Achilles tendon. He he will heal up from a from a torn quad, but to uh, for, for this to happen in game two is, is I'm still having an issue digesting it. And um, for the Warriors, a lot of people out there thinking, okay, they go back to small ball and put Draymond at the five with Iggy out there. Uh, Kavon Looney actually played very well in the game the other night, despite them blowing a historic 31-point uh, playoff lead and losing game two. Uh, how are you seeing the Warrior rotation now knowing they've still got 15 wins to go to to reach their goal. What do you see them doing with DeMarcus now out of the lineup? Well, it's going to change their rotations uh, considerably because now that's going to put more pressure on Kevin Durant to play the power forward position and put Draymond there at the center position. And I thought it was interesting, the interesting adjustment that the, um, that the, uh, the Clippers did is they were not – content to just you know chuck up threes they were going to drive the ball they were going to take advantage of offensive rebounding and use dribble penetration uh to really start their offense they i thought it was unique the way they attacked the warriors because the warriors don't have a shot blocker back there they missed the javel mcgee's even though they got bogut back i don't know if bogut has yet to have that level of impact he is gonna he, he, he is gonna start and yes. we know he gives them a, a smart defensive player. He's obviously not the same player that he once was. He's also a very good high post passer um, on the offensive end. But just how much shot blocking and how much pick and roll defense he can provide remains to be seen. But I'll tell you what right now, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but uh, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell and the pick and roll are just an absolute nightmare for the Warriors right now. So... I'm going to I'm going to put it to you real quick. How are you defending that if you're the Warriors in game 3 at Staples Center? What what is your strategy? Well, my, the first thing you you have to stop Lou Williams. Lou Williams is a threat. Um with coming with the ball in his hand with a live dribble and coming off a screen. And then you have Montreal who is a terrific role player and he's going to take the defense that demands that you that you pick him up with another big because he can play over the top, easily play over the top. And um, I think it's going to be a problem for them because Lou Williams is not going to settle. And I think that is the key to playing against the Warriors is you can't settle against them um, because they want you to take a contested three-point shot. And the, the, give the Clippers credit. They are going to make the Warriors defend the first, second, and third option and not settle and drive the ball and dare them to, to, to block the shot and try to offensive rebound. So I think most teams will say the same, is that if you can offensive rebound against the Warriors, it gives you a significant, a, a, a more than a significant chance to beat them because they don't have the bigs that they traditionally had that can rebound the ball. They have you know Looney and, and Draymond who are terrific in their own right, but length, seems to have bothered them. And I don't know if, if Harrell and is exposing that, but certainly you have to play big against them if you're gonna if you're gonna, you know, give them a serious threat. Yeah, Zubak as well, courtesy of the other team in town, handing him off to the Clippers. So how much does Cousins being out 
hurt the Warriors and extend this series? Let's start here. Does this series does this series go further than five? Now that he's gone, or 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 are the Warriors just going to figure out how to handle this? I, I think the I think the Clippers have a better than average chance to win a game at home. You know, this they have to be feeling good about what they were able to accomplish there. They found something that that the coaching staff and the players say that they can run and they can score. You don't score at 100 and, what, 30 or 40 points, whatever they scored, and you did that on the road. So I have to, I have to believe that they're feeling good about themselves. I think DeMarcus is, is, gonna, is going to bother the Warriors because they're going to miss an a, a able body. I mean, DeMarcus is a big body who can play and he can grind. And he can grind, especially with the second unit. I think that's where they will miss him because he could really anchor your, your second unit. He can establish a low pulse threat, and he can give them opportunities to force the defense to defend in ways they don't know, have to defend without him on the court. You know, he is a low pulse threat. So I think it's going to yeah, – A low uh, post threat, a high post threat. They were playing yeah. the, the, the pick and pop beautifully, the handoff game. It, it – for, for all the time it took to implement him in and get everyone comfortable, which didn't take that long. Like, they're all high IQ guys, and he was willing to do whatever was asked. Now it's the reality of, all right, we don't have him. So I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm thinking, and, and, and you tell me before, we, before we, we, we jump off this topic, but I'm thinking it's almost like, you know, back to our bread and butter type of stuff for the Warriors in game three. You know, it's it's well, let's let's so. ride let's ride Steph and KD and, and and make a statement here. I think so, Eric. I think you're right. I think they definitely have a bread and butter which they've won and they've had success clearly over the last three to four years. But I will say this: I think the rest of the league they are continuing to improve as well, and I think Boogie gave them another option that you need in order to compensate or overcome different things as the other teams improve. I think the Warriors at one point were so far ahead of everyone else. Um, but now I think the other teams have, you know, they've closed the gap a little bit. I still think the Warriors are the best team, but I think the other teams have closed the gap. And Boogie was another problem that you had to deal with. And now with him not being available – I think the other teams are gaining confidence, uh, but until someone beats the Warriors, you can be confident in all you want. To, you can be as confident as you want to be, but someone's going to have to beat them and knock them out, and and that's a that's a easier said than done. Last thing on Boogie, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about his future in free agency, which is it's crazy to think about. He's going to be in a similar position this summer as he was last summer. Um, say the Warriors get out of this series in five or six. How much does it hurt them moving forward not to have Cousins in this lineup? Well, well, again, you know, it's one less thing that you have to prepare for. And with with Boogie, the one thing that you have to prepare for in every team is when you bring Durant and Steph Curry off the floor and in Klay Thompson, and when they aren't on the floor, you can always play through Boogie. Now, let alone they, they have three players that can score over 30 points in, in any given moment. They have four and a guy who's capable of averaging 25 points a game if he gets enough touches. So, And he can do it from a place where you don't see it as often as you once did, let's say, 15 years ago. 
that's a huge advantage for the Warriors because now it forces you to play defense from the inside out. Whereas before, where now most teams are playing defense from the outside in. So losing Boogie is going to be a significant blow for them, but it's not one that they can't overcome because they have such firepower with those other three guys, and including Draymond. Draymond is very capable as well of scoring 30 points during a game in the right circumstances. So uh, they have the they they have it. They have the players, but now. You know, I think with Boogie, it, it gave you more of a comfort zone of knowing that he's on our side. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and me, Eric Newman, is one of four weekly shows from Pure Hoops Media. We'll join you every Friday. You never know what BJ will say, but when it's all said and done, he usually turns out to be right. On Monday, we have the Mike Wise Show with the master storyteller himself and his all-star roster of guests, Mike Wise. Some of Mike's interviews have included Lakers owner Jeannie Buss, Jamal Crawford, Grant Hill, and many others. Each Wednesday, Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov drop by with Catch and Shoot, where they combine deep knowledge of the game with a real sense of fun. Their guests have included George Carl, Mike Breen, and Hall of Famer Rick Barry. Our newest show, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, with Monica McNutt, drops each Thursday. Monica will share her unique take on the world of hoops and introduce you to fresh personalities from the sport that we love. Please listen to all of our Pure Hoops Media shows. Be sure to download, subscribe, listen, give us a rating, a review, but most importantly, enjoy. So BJ, Western Conference staying out there, the likely second round opponent for the Warriors, as we mentioned at the top of the show, are the Houston Rockets. And I really thought that Houston and Utah were going to give us a really fun, entertaining seven-game series. And it's like the Rockets looked at us and said, are you bleeping kidding me? And they are dominating, which of course starts with James Harden. Uh, What are you seeing out there with Harden? And what are your thoughts on these little gimmicks that the Jazz keep throwing at him unsuccessfully trying to take him out of rhythm? Well, you, you see what the, the Jazz, what they're trying to do is force James Harden to drive the ball, and they're trying to play defense without following him. I, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's the, you know, if I agree with that or not. You know, you can't, these are professional players. You can't give James Harden in particular a, di- a direct drive or direct line to the basket direct line just, i mean yeah, he's they're giving him line. a straight line drive i, th- I yeah, think yeah. it was correct me if i'm wrong i think it was chris weber on the broadcast who was just like you can't let this guy just go yeah you, i mean there has to be some resistance there you're not going to stop him but again you don't want to give him a di- direct line principle and attack the big without any resistance you know in my humble opinion, it defeats the purpose of having a shot blocker back there if you're going to just l- allow him to attack, you know, Rudy Gobert. So, uh, but in saying that, I'm just sitting on my couch watching. I think the I think the Jazz and the fans there, and they're going to play better at home. I think they're going to be a, I think they're going to be tougher to play there, and I think they will make adjustments defensively. Um, and, and and you know, I they they've always played well at home. And I look to see, you know, what, what Coach Snyder and, and the coaching staff will come up with. Um, I, I get it, uh, what they're trying to do, but James Harden is just too good. You have to, you have to play him honestly, and you have to force him to be a great player. That's to me. That's that's what makes a great defense in the playoffs. 
force a great player to be great. And you don't allow him to be great. You just force him to be great. And I'll take my chances that way other than just giving up something because these, these players are just too good, especially him. He's playing with so much freedom. I, don't, I think it's impossible to stop a man when you, you, you have the ultra green light. I mean, if he misses 10 shots in a row, it's like no big deal. You and I miss right. 10 shots. That's, that's a problem. For him, you know, he, he's playing a different game right now, and uh, you got to live with that. you got to live with the, 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 the good, the bad, and the, the ugly of that situation and just got to contest it and see what happens. Yeah, it's it's crazy. They they were. I, I was watching some more pieces of the game earlier today, uh, kind of to just refresh myself on what these defensive looks Utah was was presenting were like. And first of all, they started Derek Favors, took Jay Crowder out of the lineup because I think they wanted to have more paint help when Gobert went to slow Harden down on the screen and roll, and more against the lob. That takes away their foot speed. But they're giving Harden this freedom to go to the paint. Then they're helping, and then they're trying to play guesswork and close out to guys as the play is happening. And Harden just sees it all at his speed. And he's not in a rush, and as you pointed out, he's not under any pressure or duress to fight through contact or change direction on the drive. It's all just kind of being presented to him. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's very strange to watch considering um, the high regard I think we both have for Quinn Snyder. So, you know, one thing just before we jump off this topic, I'd love to see somebody try a 3-2 zone on Houston just to see what they would counter with and to see if they would play through the high post or pound the ball inside against an extended zone just to see what it would look like and go from there. But as you said, we can expect Utah to play better from home and, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell's really struggling. But as you know, uh, shooters and scorers, BJ, they're, they're always better on their home floor, especially in the postseason. Yes, for, sh- for sure. They'll, they'll be, you know, they'll be plus 10 at home. They'll be much better. That, that's a great crowd out there. And you know what? They've had two games to experiment. And I think in the end, that team is good enough to win playing Utah Jazz basketball. They have the talent. I think they have the the presence and more uh, most important they have the experience to do it so I think they will be better um but you never know I mean James Harden and these guys they could come out and, and easily put up a 40 point quarter which will deflate you in what you're doing but we'll see what happens but I, I expect them to play better much better at home and, and really make this into a series Greg Popovich and what he's done with this Spurs team a getting them to this point and then b obviously this Spurs Nuggets series is uh, <laughs> is a really terrific series in the making. Both games going down to the wire. E- either team could be up 2-0, but the Spurs clearly um, were in position to win another game on the road before Jamal Murray went crazy uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, when you see Pop doing this now, and it's been over two decades, are you just amazed with how he continues to find to find answers, especially with with this deck of cards that he's been dealt. Well, I think Greg Popovich coaches the game, and the one thing I've always admired about Coach Popovich and 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 coaches of his era is that you coach that game. You know, you come in with a game plan. You come in what what with, with these philosophies you think is going to win, and all of a sudden you, 
you just get a feel for the game and you coach that game. And that's yep. the one thing I always have respected about Coach Popovich is he always coaches the game. Coach Popovich finds a way, no matter what, to put himself in that moment, live in that moment, coach in that moment, and then move on to the next one. And I think that's what players respect about him. Can you paint a picture of the kind of confidence and makeup it takes for a coach to not get caught up in the moment and not say, okay, we game planned this or that and we're going to stick with it, but instead know they need to jump in right away and whatever it is, they're imposing their will or they're changing A, B, and C, or they're implement, or they're inserting this player into the game. I, I think that's something that goes really unnoticed in the NBA, especially in the playoffs. Well, I think that comes with time and experience, Eric. I, I, I really see players, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll watch a young player, and all of a sudden, a year or two later, they'll get it, and they'll be a different player. And... It took me some time when I first came in the league. You know, I came into the league. There was a scouting report. Coach says do X, Y, and Z. And then suddenly that doesn't work. By my second or third year, I felt comfortable making those adjustments during the game because I learned that there's two things a co no coach can, can coach. He can't coach effort and energy. The player has to provide the effort and energy to go out there and do whatever game plan you're trying to do. And I think coaches understand that um, about players with experience. You know, we all have a game plan. Hey, I want to double this guy on the screen roll, but what if he's not making jump shots that night? Why are we double teaming him and he's not making jump shots that night? So you mm -hmm. get a feel, and I think that comes with experience. And, um, you know, I've had the joy of playing for – you know, uh, uh, Phil Jackson, who would always ask the players, how do you guys want to defend screen roll? And, and I finally, after a year or two, I asked him, I was like, I've never had a coach ask me how I want to do something. He said, because, BJ, all I want from you is the effort and the energy. Because if you right. take responsibility, even if you do it wrong, but if you give me the energy, we can always make an adjustment to do it right. And I thought, you know what, that's probably why he's the coach and I'm the player. Because <laughs> he just wants me to play hard. Even if I do it wrong, as long as you do it hard, you might get a good result. And I kind of learned that over the years, and I think that comes with maturity. And Greg Popovich, he embodies that. He wants his guys to just give the maximum effort that they can give at any given moment. He doesn't expect perfection, but he coaches with the attitude of, right, just give me what you got, and then I'll figure out the rest. It's such a great point about effort and, and another guy that's been coaching so hard this season and his players are playing uh, remarkably hard, obviously coming back from 31 down uh, to tie the series with the Warriors is Doc Rivers and the Clippers. Um, Doc is quoted as saying this is the most resilient group he's ever coached. Yeah. And I sat and I thought about that. And that's that's. That's including the 20... Forget the, the Celtics that won the championship. That was a 66-win elite-level ball club that we can talk about where they stand in recent history another time. But the 2010 team all banged up, goes to Game 7 against the Lakers. The 2012 team with no bench is one game away from the finals against the, the LeBron Heat, and they just played on grit and guts. And he's talking about this Clipper team in that way. What does it take to mesh 
guys like Pat Beverly and Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari and then mesh them together with with rookies and, and guys that have never been in these moments between Alexander and Shamit. I, I just find what he's doing right now with this team I- extraordinary. You know, I, I always chuckle to myself because, you know, we, we live in an age now of analytics and numbers and we're talking about PER and per 48 minute stats. And whenever I'm with Doc Rivers, two of my favorite people in the NBA, Doc Rivers and Jerry West, we always talk about two things. And I learned this from Jerry West many years ago when I was working in the front office. This league will always be about and has always been about talent and toughness. It, it, will, it will always be about that because that's what that those are two things that you can sustain over the course of a season, a game, and you can give maximum effort as long as you have the talent and as long as you have the toughness. And this team embodies that. They may not have the most talent, but certainly they are going to fight for every loose ball. <laughs> they're going to fight for every rebound. And they're going to give a maximum effort and play as if the score is always 0-0, which is a key component to being a a good franchise or a good team. You have to play every possession 0-0, and this team embodies that. Patrick Beverly is cheering himself on when he's down 20. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? Now, we were all looking at our television, myself included, going, what's wrong with this guy? But – Doc Rivers knows his team better than anyone. He knows whether they're up 20, down 20, they are going to fight and be ready. They're they're, they're game. They are game. And the Warriors tonight know that they are going to be in a fight. That's one thing you don't have to worry about Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is not going to come in at halftime saying, guys, let's get ready to fight. He will be ready Five oh, hours before the game. He's ready he's right ready now. now. Okay, yeah. he's ready. We're, re- we're, recording, thir- we're recording Thursday uh, at, at about 3 p.m. Pacific, and he's ready. He, There's no he's doubt. Ready. He's ready right now. He's not, he's not coming in at halftime for some halftime speech to get ready. So Doc Rivers knows that about his team. Doc Rivers knows his, it's his job and his staff job to get him, give his team every opportunity to win the game, and then, you know, I'll live with the results because his team is going to be ready to fight. So how do I get in a room with B.J. Armstrong, Doc Rivers, and Jerry West just for future consideration? Well, you just got to come. I got to That is royalty, my friend. That is royalty. I love to go to early Clipper games just so I can run into and talk to those guys because they, they always drop you a little nugget. They always drop oh. you a little nugget. And Doc, he's the best. You know, I've been – I played against Doc. Uh, I've been knowing him for 30-plus years. And Jerry West, you know – I was a kid, and my, my dad and my grandfather used to always talk about him as a player, and now I get a chance to talk to him and pick his brain, and uh, he's one of the best. And um, So there's, this, to me, this, to me, is no coincidence, especially with Jerry West. I mean, everyone was talking about the Lakers in Showtime, but that was a yep. tough group, okay? They were, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were a tough group, okay? You, and his impact of what he did there for the Warriors – Okay, and what he did there with the Lakers for many years, he's always put together talented teams, and he's always had toughness, supported it with toughness around it. Wednesday night, game two, the Celtics' talent and toughness met at an apex in the fourth quarter as they were down 11, 
and Kyrie Irving had some brilliant moments and they captured game two. But the guy that really seems to be revitalized here because we knew Kyrie was going to deliver on this stage. We weren't yet sure how some of these other guys were going to respond. But Jason Tatum uh, has really seemed to have flipped the switch. 26 points in game two with some really big moments down the stretch. What are you seeing from Tatum right now? Well, you know, I, I always feel like I, I, I repeat myself, and I, and I hope I'm not. But you know what? That kid has talent, okay? That, that kid is a very, very talented offensive player. I mean, he, he's, he, he, he can do some things out there, especially on the offensive end. And I've, I'm been, I, I've said this from the beginning. I like the Celtics. I like how they were built. I think this team was built for the playoffs. I think they are showing what they're capable of doing because they have the talent to do it. And, you know, they're missing one of their key components, no doubt about it, Marcus Smart, because you're going to need that toughness and that grit at some point or some place during the playoffs. But they have enough talent to where they can overwhelm people. You know, you, don't, you have Jason Tatum. You have Jalen Brown. You have Kyrie who is a very, very capable player that not many players have who can get you a basket at any given moment. You know, what's a 10-point, 11-point lead when you have Kyrie Irving? So I like this group. I like this team. I know they haven't been consistent during the regular season, but I'm okay with that because, you know, this is really their first year playing together. Yeah. Okay. It's their first and, year together, and and and, and you know, we're here. We're this is the I, moment they I, all wanted to get to. We're here. Yeah, I, I know, and and I and I know how hard that is as a player when you are trying to find your way with a new group. This is a new group of players, okay, and they're trying to find their way. And uh, I think in the playoffs, where everyone, where everything is magnified, where you have matchups, you know. Um, I just, I just like this group. I, I've always liked them, and you, as you know it, I, I say that every week when we talk about it, and and uh, most people are saying, it's my, oh, the it's Celtics. my Celtics therapy session. Yeah, it's my Celtics I, but therapy. I, I like the Celtics. I'm not concerned about them because I don't see – I'm going to say this right now, and this is going to really shock you. I think they have – Say it. Say it. I think they have the best team in the NBA. Now, they may not be – I, I think they they have the best roster, I should say. I think that's more appropriate. I think they have the best roster from top to bottom in the NBA. Clearly, the Warriors are the best team in the NBA. But I think they have the best roster from top to bottom. This is a deep team. They have great depth. They have consistent play, you know, from top to bottom. They can score. They can defend. They can grind. And they have a player in Kyrie who can just go get it. He can play in, in the chaos. He can play when, you know, when the plays don't work, Kyrie Irving mm -hmm. can go off on a five-minute tangent by himself and let everybody else watch for four or five minutes yeah. a game. And not, many, and not many teams other than the Rockets and the Warriors that can do that, okay? And yeah. I, at any given moment, if Kyrie is hot, <laughs> they win. You know, Giannis is a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at their roster and you look at the Milwaukee's roster, I don't think their roster, Milwaukee's roster, is better than 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 uh, than the Celtics. And I like their team. 
Hopefully we will uh, put that to the test. Unfortunately, Marcus Smart probably won't be in that series, but uh, we will find out. But uh, I'm sitting here nodding my head like uh, Denzel at the uh, the diner at the beginning of training day. Um, <laughs> another series that already is gritty with a lot of bad blood that uh, I'm really excited to continue to watch is this Brooklyn-Philadelphia series. And, um, you know, for all the, uh, the history nuts out there, they did play once before in the playoffs, which was 35 years ago. The defending champion Sixers with Julius Irving and Moses Malone blew a 2-0 lead to Michael Ray Richardson, uh, Otis Birdsong, Daryl Dawkins, and the 84 Nets. And the Nets came mm. back and won it. And they actually showed those highlights the other night to open the series, and I was all fired up. But to the present day, we've seen elbows, trash talk, Brooklyn winning in Philadelphia, then Philadelphia sending a message in game two. It's back in Brooklyn. Uh, Obviously, by the time people hear this, game three already would have happened. My question for you is, um, is is this uh, an example of a potential uh, rivalry in the making? And can Brooklyn extend this series? Well, I think it's the proxim, you know, the proximity of the the cities and where we're talking about, right? You know, you got Brooklyn, you got Philly, you know, you're mm-hmm. right there. Um, when you're talking about having a, you know, where, where teams are, you, you know, teams are, are fighting for something or winning something, then and only then can we talk about you know Philadelphia and Brooklyn on that level? Okay, I don't know if. When the last time Philadelphia's won a championship, right? When is the Sixers? Nineteen eighty-three. Nineteen eighty-three. Um, then you have, you know, uh, you know, Brooklyn. At the time, they were the New Jersey Nets. They were in the finals a couple years there with Jason Kidd. Okay, um, so I don't know what you have going. I think right now we have two young teams. One, you know, say they trust the process. <laughs> and then we have another team that I don't think any of us expected to be in the playoffs. Um, so I don't want to go too far with this other than to say I think these teams are playing with the physicality that you like to see. You don't want to see anyone get hurt, um, especially with that play there with, with MB. But the physicality of the game, I'm okay with. The physicality is one thing. Then you have Embiid and Simmons laughing over the apology in air quotes at the podium. It just doesn't look good. And, um, you know, you know the people of Brooklyn and you know the 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 aura and vibe they're trying to create around this team. So right, I, right. I, I, I've got a I've got a feeling, you know, and I said it, you know, when we we, we rolled out our, our quick hitter predictions you know, Embiid's health is going to determine a lot in this series, but Brooklyn is pushing this series, uh, I think, to six or seven games. So uh, right, yeah. I think this is going to be exciting stuff. Yeah, it is. I think, I, I think what Philadelphia has done, which is a very – you have to be very careful. They've, give them, they've given the Brooklyn Nets bulletin board material. Yep. The, and I, I think you have to be very careful with that because big, big bulletin board, but yeah, big. And I think that so the inspiration is there. And I will say this because they are human. I think the referees, the referees, are going to be extra aware of what's going on and keep an eye on Philadelphia. 
I think that I think Brooklyn will be very very aggressive, and I think they will carry the whistle. I think I I always believe that the most aggressive team always always carries the whistle, and for, for and for the most part, you're more aggressive at home than you are on the road. Yep. So I think I expect for Brooklyn to carry the whistle and dictate the game the way it will be officiated in the first five minutes. And then that will carry the whistle, I think, for, for the next two games for them because they are going to be aggressive. You know the crowd is going to be fired up. You know what they're saying in New York, <laughs> okay? And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Brooklyn is going to stand up, okay? <laughs> for sure, for sure. By the time, stand up. Listen, by the, time, uh, by the time people listen to this on, on Friday or Saturday, game three already would have been decided, but it, it'll be a telling tale what happens in game three and how that impacts the rest of the series. To their credit, the Portland Trailblazers have handled the thunder in these first two games as Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are are bringing it at Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Uh, Does this continue for Portland back in OKC, or is this a perfect example of, okay, these are two really good teams Home court is going to come into play here, and this still is going to be a long series with it now shifting back to OKC with the Thunder down two games to none. Well, you know, with the Thunder, I, I, they are composed enough, they are experienced enough to say, okay, we lost two games at home, they held serve, and now we have to go home and do the same. And I don't think anyone is counting out Russell Westbrook at home and, and Paul George. I mean, Paul George, yes, there's been some talk about his shoulder, but – I expect that crowd to be a hostile one. I expect the crowd to really get behind this group, um, get behind this team, I should say, and for them to hold serve. Now, I think it will be interesting to see how the guards, meaning Portland's guards, how they will respond on the road and shoot because, you know, shooting with that kind of distance that you saw Damian Lillard shoot with, okay, that looks great at home. Yeah. If he doesn't make that on the road, now it looks like maybe that might have been a bad shot, okay? You have to play differently on the road than you do at home. So I get why he did that at home because you can get a dagger and he had an opportunity and it was time and score and all those things. You have to be very careful with that on the road because you don't want to get into a one-on-one duel with Russell Westbrook at home. I think I discounted how good Portland has become as a unit. And, you know, Enos Kanter had a monster game one with 18 rebounds and 20 points. And, you know, whether it's Aminu, Harkless, Evan Turner, they've just got guys who have bonded together, grown together. You know, they went through two consecutive years where they were swept out of the playoffs. Um, this This is a good story. And, you know, from our perspective, I'm sure you'd agree, I'm hoping for a long series here. And I, I love these matchups, and hopefully that's what's uh, in store for us with uh, with Portland and, and OKC uh, yeah. here in the first round. I, I think the one the one thing I, w- I will say is I, I'm really interested with what Coach Donovan and his staff is going to do because the one thing that's always been a problem for the Portland Trailblazers, especially in the playoffs, is how to defend screen roll. You know, Enos Cantor, along with Nurkic, they're not the strongest defenders. Uh, in screen roll situations, and they're not, the, you know, they're not, neither one of them are shot blockers. So I expect them to really run a ton of screen roll. 
and just dive to the basket and play out of it. Look for this team, OKC, to be a different team and look for them to really touch the bodies on on the offensive end uh, of those two guards because you got to slow them down somehow. Back to the 90s we go. Back to the 90s, playoff edition, B.J. Armstrong. B.J., your first year, of course, 1989-90, the year before the first of the Bulls' two three-peats. And what I want to know from you, my friend, what was it like playing in your first NBA playoff game back in the spring of 1990? Well, the, the, the thing I remember most was the attention of detail that we, uh, that we had. And, you know, we watched a lot of film back then, you know, getting ready for games and regular season games. But I, 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 my, my first <laughs> – this, this is a true story. We watched The Wizard of Oz at the beginning of the playoffs in, like, 1990. Okay. And I thought so. So before you're about to play the Milwaukee Bucks yeah, in the I first round of the 1990 play, playoffs, you're telling me you guys are watching the Wizard of Oz. We're watching the Wizard of Oz. This was like a four-hour film session, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yep. We watched the whole movie, then we got to watch the tape, and then we got to talk about it. And I was like, we started at like 6 p.m. And then it was like 10.30 before we, before we got out of there. And that was my introduction of the amount of detail it was, in addition to understanding the metaphors and why we were watching, you know, the, the, the Wizard of Oz. You know, we, 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 we had to have a heart. <laughs> we, had to ha- we had to play with our brains. <laughs> you know, it was all of these things, you know. Who we gotta stay stay on the path, and it was all of these things that we just allowed us to stay focused as we were going on our journey, um, and it was just it, it was just interesting for me as a young player to see. I thought I was working hard. I thought I was ready, but when I saw how the game was being played at that level and the preparation that went into going to play the game. I thought, wow, I really got to step my game up and I really have to find a way to really elevate myself so that I can eventually play to the level of excellence to even be deserved to be called a champion because it was just taking me to a whole nother level that I had never seen before. Well, you were perfect that day, my friend. In two minutes played, you were one for one from the floor <laughs> for two points and no turnovers on record. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so so it worked. And uh, Bruce Bernstein chiming in with uh, Toto. We're not in Kansas anymore. But uh, <laughs> just to give fans an idea, this is 1990, first round of the playoffs. Michael Jordan in 44 minutes goes 15 of 27 from the floor. Shot only one three, eight of 11 at the line. Finishes with 38 points, eight rebounds, and seven assists. And your teammate, Scottie Pippen, uh, next to MJ, goes for a modest game one triple-double, 17, 13, and 10. Horace Horace had 19 and 9. Cartwright chipped in with 13. And uh, the Bulls went up 1-0 on the Bucks, And you guys would eventually uh, capture that best of five first-round series, three games to one. 
All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Episode 14, the Pure Hoops podcast in the books. Special thanks to my partner, BJ Armstrong, to Bruce Bernstein, Jeff Torini, and the entire Pure Hoops media crew. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping every Monday. Catch and shoot with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko each Wednesday. And our newest show, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt, which drops each and every Thursday. Also keep out for our NBA playoff quick hitters as we'll be delivering storytelling insight and analysis around these very exciting NBA playoffs. www.purehoopsmedia.com where all our content lives and follow us on social at Pure Hoops Media. Have a great weekend, everybody. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.